Hello and welcome in to 50 Life. I'm your host, James Williams. And uh, if you enjoy what we do here, we'd appreciate a follow. Just want to get into some of our topics today. Uh, we'll be discussing the 2024 Nebraska Cornhuskers football season and the upcoming endeavors there. We'll also have, be bringing on uh, Ethan Nation, cornerback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And uh, just going over some of the stuff like what the team will look like in year two. Can they compete in the new look Big Ten? Will the offense be better? Elite freshman in the 23 class. Coach White's return. And much more. We'll also be discussing the Super Bowl in this episode. So I want to get into it. So uh, just for starters, my co-host Tucker was not available. We are having technical difficulties. We are hoping we can get him on later in the podcast. Anyway, I just want to start with this. So obviously, encouraging stuff came from last year's football team. Uh, it seemed like kind of before that that little time when Mickey Joseph was the coach, it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of optimism around the fan base. Um, and it seemed like midway through last season, it seemed optimism was at an all-time high, even some believing that the Huskers could win the Big Ten West. Now, obviously, the final four games of the season didn't go how the team wanted. Rough, brutal stretch of losing plenty of games by three, three points. Um, but it was a young team, and it was Coach Rule's first season. And as you, as you say, you got to give the coach at least three seasons to build a team. Steve Sarkeesian, Texas, first year, went five and seven. So he was in the playoff by year three. So it's a trust the process thing. But not only was the team young and it was year one, but man, like to, to lose only five games by three points. Yes, the Michigan and Colorado games didn't go how the team wanted, but five games by three points. And that has definitely been a theme around the building. Mildly hard to explain. The defense really took a step forward in 2023. Three. In fact, they went from being the 115th ranked total defense in the country to being top 15 in all categories, including pass defense, pass yardage, and sacks. Now, there's definitely room for improvement everywhere. The defense, they will need to replace some guys in the back end, uh, namely Quentin Newsom, who is gone for the draft, and Omar Brown, who will also be gone for the draft. So obviously losing two star players like that, very hard. And in fact, Omar is listed inside the top 50 players available by CBS Sports. It's tough. But this young and upstart team that Coach Rule has built from the ground up, essentially, has some very elite DB talent on the incoming. Namely, Ethan Nation, who we will have on later in the podcast. Obviously, huge, huge, huge strides for the freshman in year one. And the the miscues were one thing, but he really redeemed himself and made made plenty of great plays on special teams. Some of those punts that he caught with people right next to him, I, I've never seen something like it in my life. He was a, it was very similar to how Desmond Howard or... Devin Hester would return a punt. He it's very short, choppy cuts. It's not necessarily a stop on a dime cut because those are easier to track. 
So now joining me live in studio is Ethan Nation, cornerback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Ethan, how are we doing today? Um, appreciate you for having me, James. You know, all is well today, man. Ethan, I just I just want to get into it really just right away, if you don't mind. Um, obviously, very encouraging season for you first year. Uh, great, great flashes on special teams, especially. How do you plan to help fill the void left by Quentin Newsom and Omar Brown in that secondary? Yeah, so, you know, with Quentin and um, Omar leaving, they, um, you know, we're losing them, but we're also gaining their knowledge from um, from their standpoint, you know, when they're being in college football for four to five years, you know, and then them guys going to the NFL, you know, they really gave me some some keys and some 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 keys and tips to how to, uh, you know, success, succeed in the Big Ten and succeed in uh, college football. For sure. Well, obviously, all of that is is great, and we love to hear that. How are we feeling about uh, Coach White's return? Obviously, a huge step as a new defensive coordinator. He's now the highest paid defensive coordinator in the country annually at $1.6 million. So not only did you guys get him paid, but he's coming back. How do we feel about what he can do for this defense in year two? You know, I didn't even know Coach White was the highest paid defensive coordinator in the uh, country. So, you know, shout out to him. But, um, you know, as people saw last year, you know, he made that defense look crazy. You know, you see this 2023 season to the season before that, you know, the defense didn't look the same. You know, people weren't flying around as people fly around today, you know, and it really, I feel like it really falls on practice. You know, he's a really high intense intensity type of guy in practice. And I feel like it leads up to us being in the game. So having him back is a huge, huge plus up for us. And, um, you know, him being there also, like, the whole defense knows him. He knows us now. So, I mean, we're just ready to play. All right, so I just want to address this to you. So you were part of a very elite freshman 2023 class last year that Coach Rule recruited. You guys were top 20 in the country in terms of recruiting. You specifically led the way in this class as one of the top cornerback prospects in the country. And in Georgia, too, very hard place to play high school football. Um, how do you feel like all of these freshmen and these sophomores and these younger players that Coach Rule is bringing in, how do we feel that they're going to progress in year two? Because you, obviously, being part of nine freshmen to play on the team last year, this is a young team. So, you know, how do we feel we're going to get better in year two? You know, I really feel like some some of us freshmen and the younger guys have a really big and high ceiling, and we have a lot of potential, and we have a lot of, you know, um, what ifs and what um, and whatnots. But I um, I just feel like as we go on and mature, and just stay around the coaching staff and stay around Coach Rule. Um, I just feel like we're going to be elite. You know, Coach Rule and his staff is coming from the NFL. So he's giving NFL knowledge to us high school and young men, college football players. So I just really feel like if we just stay in and just listen to everything he's doing and listen to everything he's telling us, I feel like we can have a chance to be one of the best teams in the country. Well, for sure. Um, and all, all of that's so good to hear, Ethan. Well, not just the new freshmen that will be uh, heading into next football season. Big Ten will look a lot different next year, too. Uh, we'll be adding USC, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA powerhouse teams from the Pac-12 and on the West Coast. 
how do we feel about all these teams and can Nebraska compete in this new look Big Ten without divisions? Because as everyone knows, the Big Ten West has been historically not nearly as good as the Big Ten East. So with the divisions gone, how do we feel about Nebraska's chances in this new look Big Ten? Um, I really feel like, you know, those Pac-12 teams getting added into the Big Ten actually gives us an advantage. Um, they're not used to the style of football that we play as well as we're not used to their style of football. But um, if you look into the Pac-12, you know, they're more of an air raid type of team. Um, they like to throw the ball a lot. So that gives us the opportunity as a, a secondary to show and prove that we can play and that we can we can guard receivers. We don't we don't just come up and hit. You know, we can we have finesse to our game. So I, I'm really excited, honestly, about playing USC to be very damn specific because they throw the ball a lot. But, um, yeah, I just really feel like it's going to be more of a test for them than it will be for us because if you look at the Big Ten, our style of football is the most NFL type of style and type of play. So, I mean, I just, I'm just i excited for it, you know, playing Colorado and um, USC this year. You know, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait for it. For sure, man. Well, obviously you mentioned the schedule a little bit, and I just wanted to get into that with you. So open the season with four straight home games, which is an odd commodity, especially for you opening two games on the road last year. There's one specific game in those first four that I want to talk about, and that would be Colorado. So obviously last year didn't go uh, how Nebraska fans would have wanted. Dion's first game back, lots of hype, caught them at the wrong time kind of thing. Uh, how do we feel about this year and that team in general? You know, all respect out goes to Colorado for doing their thing last year and whatnot. I mean, they really didn't do their thing, but no disrespect to them. You know, they have some they have some guys like we have some guys. You know, last year they got the best of us, but I just really feel like, you know, we didn't really understand that game. We didn't take it as serious as we should have maybe. I don't know, but – one thing I can say this year, it's going to be a whole different game. It's going to be our house. It's going to be a whole different environment. And, you know, those four home games are going to be interesting. Um, As some of y'all know, like, Nebraska fans are crazy, so they come out to every single home game possible and sell it out. So that first four, I mean, we get Memorial State of Rockin'. And we start off the season hot, go 4-0. and And then, you know, just put one foot in front of the other. From out there, but I can't. That that Colorado game is gonna be something special, and I really feel like once we beat them, we're gonna have a little uh, little rush to field moment for our fans, so we can hit the Shador. So finally, Ethan, just don't want to take up too much of your time. The uh, the schedule this year, you obviously mentioned it earlier, but get some of those new Big Ten teams this year. Final five games is a brutal stretch, really at Ohio State, followed by a home game against UCLA. And then at USC in November. New look for you guys, especially considering the colder weather that you're normally used to in November. And then you get Wisconsin at home and then at Iowa. Which of these games do you think you're the most excited for? And, you know, how do we how do we feel about this back part of the schedule? Because potentially walking into Ohio State, Nebraska could be 7-0. So how do we feel about where the team will be standing at that point? And, you know, with you younger guys not necessarily being used to this kind of winning, 
how do we feel like this back back part of the season will go? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, we are young, so it might be, you know, new to us. But I really feel like, I mean, a lot when it might be new to Nebraska, but I mean, it's not new to us. You know, a lot of us came from winning, winning backgrounds and winning schools. But you know, that's the past. That's high school, so that really doesn't matter. But you know, I'm really excited for USC just because, like, it's a new environment, new new time zone. You know, it's going to be hot in November in Cali where it's usually cold down here. But um, I'm really excited also for the um, UCLA game, you know. It's also a, a West Coast team coming out in November in Nebraska, and everybody knows how Nebraska gets in November. So, I mean, that weather is going to be crazy. The environment is going to be crazy. And, um, you know, USC fans, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty wild too. So, I'm excited and interested to see, you know, how the Pac-12 – fans and the big 10 fans you know compare ethan dear friend of the show we appreciate your time here and hope the season goes just as well as you you would hope and man i really appreciate you for having me on the uh 5.0 podcast you know hopefully i can come back and uh talk some more appreciate you ethan nation ladies and gentlemen cornerback from the nebraska Cornhuskers. what a guy man what a guy appreciate having him on Holy cannoli, look at this. It's like a science project. <laughs> Ordering lunch. Easy for you and me. It can be so difficult for a young homeowner turning into their parents. Are those all different lettuces? Uh, yes, sir. Brown rice, white rice, or quinoa. We're gonna need a minute. Do you have any food allergies? Well, my teeth are sensitive to cold. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. That'll be 19.45. Oh, I'm just paying for my own salad. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Grubhub Perks give you deals on the food you love. The kind of deals that make you boogie. Get the food you love with Perks from Grub, what you love. All right, and welcome back to Five O Life. I'm your host James Williams, and we just had Ethan Nation on. I just want to uh, switch gears really quickly. And talk about NFL honors, which is occurring right now, live actually. Um, so Will Anderson was named winner of Defensive Rookie of the Year, and C.J. Stroud was named Offensive Rookie of the Year. What a great year for the Texans! Really turned it around. Won a playoff game against the number one defense in the league. Um, they really bright future there, especially with D'Amico Ryan's, Will Anderson, and C.J. Stroud. Um, defensive player of the year is Miles Garrett. He won it over who I personally thought should have won it, T.J. Watt, uh, Michael Parsons, Max Crosby, and Deron Bland, who, of course, led the league with five pick sixes. 
The FedEx Ground Player of the Year was Christian McCaffrey. He won it over Kyron Williams and Raheem Mostert. That one was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, Air Player of the Year, which may shock some of you listening, uh, was Brock Purdy. He won it over Dak Prescott and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, TJ Watt was the winner of the Deacon Jones Award. Uh, Assistant Coach of the Year went to Jim Schwartz, defense coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, over Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, Mike McDonald, and Todd Munkin. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year is yet to be announced. Uh, That is between Tua, DeMar Hamlin, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Flacco. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is the odds-on favorite to win that one. Uh, Still yet to come, uh, we got for the Coach of the Year category, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Dan Campbell, Kevin Stefanski, and Kyle Shanahan, uh, with the odds-on favorite being D'Amico Ryans for his work with the Texans and Dan Campbell in close second. Uh, MVP, got Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson being the runaway favorite for MVP due to his sensational regular season over there in Baltimore. And Offensive Player of the Year being CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I personally believe CeeDee Lamb will win it, but it would not surprise me if Christian McCaffrey did. Uh, Rookie of the Year but the Pepsi Rookie of the Year still yet to be announced between Sam Laporta, Puka Nakua, Devin, or Devon A-Chain, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, and CJ Stroud. Uh, while we're on that note, so something that I thought caught my eye was obviously the Super Bowl is this weekend, Chiefs and 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, despite opening as the favorites, uh, remain the favorites. Interesting after the postseason they've had and the struggles they've had um, against younger and worse defenses. I, I thought they struggled a lot at times, especially with the more older experience roster. Um, and the Chiefs against two of their toughest opponents, at least in the Patrick Mahomes playoff era, at Buffalo against Josh Allen, at Baltimore against a red-hot Baltimore team that just looked on a tear. And came out came out of both with wins and pretty convincing wins Balt maybe not buffalo but the baltimore game i just sat there and watched and i was like i don't i don't even think the ravens have a chance and that was midway through the second quarter uh the 49ers have struggled with two really poor young teams which i thought was interesting because they're more of an experienced veteran team Regardless on all of that, picking picking a winner for this game will be incredibly difficult. Obviously something not easy to do, right? Um, something that goes really unnoticed is the high-flying Chiefs offense has really disappeared this year with obviously some terrible plays by the wide receiver group in general, but Kadarius Tony, namely... And really having to rely on rookie receiver Rasheed Rice to kind of carry this group. It just it, it hasn't looked fluid on offense like how it used to. Uh, but that doesn't really matter for the Chiefs anymore because they don't need to be great on offense. Their defense was second in total defense throughout the entire league, only behind the Browns, who have a much more experienced roster. The average age of the Chiefs roster is 24 years of age. It's basically Chris Jones and a bunch of kids. So with that being said, not only should I think that 
the NFL probably be scared for the next couple of years, at least until they can't sign all of these good uh, younger rookies to contract extensions. But this defense is really good, and it's young. Trent McDuffie, all pro. Legereus Sneed should have been all pro. Only allowed a touchdown throughout the entire season. Absolute beast. Chris Jones, always great. George Karloftis, double-digit sack season, broke out. Charles Amenahu, although he did tear his ACL, also broke out this year. Amazing. Amazing work by all three of them. Um, and then Nick Bolton and Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil on the inside. Mike Edwards and Justin Reed deep. This defense is not easy to play against. Um, the motto for the Chiefs has actually been just to get to 21 because that's all their offense needs, which is hilarious that we have to say that. But this defense is, is really flying under the radar. They only average 289 yards of passing offense a game. Now, here's where the game can get really interesting is can they establish the run really quickly? Uh, obviously, we saw the Chiefs struggle with that against the Bills early. And while the Ravens didn't really attempt it, when they did, they were successful. So... This is where this game can get very interesting. If Christian McCaffrey, who wasn't present in the last 49ers Super Bowl, can get active and moving quickly, I do think that the 49ers can make this a really interesting game. However, comma, if they let Mahomes jump out early, if I, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I would, I would take the ball right away. Because if Patrick Mahomes gets hot early and this team jumps up 14, 17 to 3 or 7 or 0, this could get really bad for the 49ers. This team is not the Lions. The Lions were young and un inexperienced, and that's why they blew a 24-point lead. They hadn't been in that scenario before, and the 49ers had, so they knew how to take advantage of a momentum swing. The Chiefs are not that. The Chiefs are seasoned. They're veteran. They will not let something silly like that happen to them. This, is, this would be really bad for the 49ers if they can't jump out early. We know Kyle Shanahan will stick to the run, but when Spags has the ability – to jump out on you when you know you have to pass. We saw how that went with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So this could get really bad for the 49ers really quickly unless they put the ball on the ground and run it. New Orleans don't make a lick of sense to most people. A big city built below sea level that throws logic out the window and beads to strangers. And our chicken is no different. A fast food restaurant selling fried chicken that takes 12 hours to marinate? That makes no sense. But it does make delicious. The best recipe for big flavor ain't about logic. Because you know magic when you see it or when you taste it. We don't make sense. We make chicken. Love that chicken from Popeyes. Sorry, party's canceled. Waiting on the cable internet guy. Tell him, Zach. First, I had cable, but those cords weren't me. I needed to find new Wi-Fi. And he cried. I didn't cry. So he switched to T-Mobile. Home internet with 5G. It runs on their network. Just plug it in and you'll see. Hi, and welcome back to 5 Life with your host, James Williams. 
Sorry, uh, Tucker Dixon could not join us today. Technical difficulties. Um, man, what a great, great episode. Ethan Nation, great, great guest. Super Bowl picks, NFL honor stuff going on right now. Trying to get you guys some live updates. Um, going back to the uh, the Nebraska angle, though, man, Ethan Nation, like I said, great, great answers earlier. Um, I just thought I would bring up some good points. Um, will Coach Rule turn the team around in year two? Obviously, his last two stops, college anyway, Temple and Baylor, both were absolute tire fires the first year. One, one win at both place, places. Second year, more successful. We're jumping up four or five wins, getting bowl eligible. The third year is when things are getting really good. At Baylor, getting to the Big 12 championship and losing to a great Oklahoma team that had Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb and Kenneth Murray and uh, Neville Gallimore, Trey Brown, great, great Oklahoma team. In overtime with a backup quarterback. That was that was really like even 15-year-old me watching that game, I was like, wow, this, this team must be really good. Um, lots of those guys are in the league now. Um, both moral of the story is both places got hot and they got hot over time. It wasn't a quick overnight process. Um, obviously there should be improvement in year two based on the last two stops. The great news for Nebraska fans is he won five games this year in what was supposed to be the bad rebuilding year. So honestly, with how the transfer portal and NIL is helping change the landscape of college football, it wouldn't surprise me if this team won 9, 10 games, 11 games, 12 games, 13 games next year. Um, the schedule is obviously, like we talked about earlier, uh, much more manageable this year. This is the first year in quite some time that Nebraska has not had to open with a Power 5 opponent. They'll get Colorado at home this time in a revenge game, perfectly set up. Then pretty decent Big Ten schedule through the middle, all the way up until the Ohio State game. Tough game, but you'll have momentum going into it, assuming those first seven games go the way you want them to. Then, obviously, you got at USC, but their question mark, no Caleb Williams. And honestly, the offense, I think without him, wouldn't be nearly as good as everybody, as all the stats would say. So there'll be some a lot of fresh faces there in Lincoln Riley's third year. Then USC, with their elite pass rush, uh, Obviously, they'll lose some guys to the league, but Wisconsin, Iowa, both are fierce rivalries. They're not easy games to win. They're never a walk in the park for either team. It's a rivalry game. Um, so, yeah, just definitely things will get interesting in November and December for this team. But I am excited to see where it goes as, man, this 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 team can be really something special this year. So I just want to talk about this. So. Offense obviously struggled a little bit last last year. Um, not n- not up there where Nebraska fans would want to be. But I think what goes really unnoticed is this: the, the offense was really hurt. ACLs were a common problem am- among the offense in general. Uh, Marcus Washington out after the Illinois game. Uh, Billy Kemp 
hurt most of the entire end of the season. Ethan Piper, keystone member of the offensive line, hurt. Ben Scott spent time hurt. Um, even losing Turner Cochran. And then just – and, yeah, and then so yeah, I didn't even get to the running backs. Gabe, Irvin, um, Anthony Grant spent time hurt and in trouble. Ramir Johnson, who will be back for his sixth season. Just injuries everywhere, and I think that goes really unnoticed. And Elliot Brown, a keystone member of some of the play calls last year. Um, this team, this team will be a lot better in year two. Coming from experience, uh, I I think Coach Stat, although I have I'm not sure, he runs a very complex offense that would be really hard to learn in a year. So you'll get year two in that system. Um, and then just. Like that, those first four games being at home are huge for this team, because if they can establish some early momentum and chemistry, when they finally do have to get going on the road, they'll be very well prepared for it. I mean, ninety thousand fans screaming in your ear is really loud, ladies and gentlemen. So, I'm very excited to see what this team can do. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys out there listening. Uh, it was a great episode today. Really appreciated everything that we had going. But bottom line is. Uh, this this team will be better in 2024. You can believe that. So thank you for listening to 5.0 Life. I'm your host, James Williams, and stream us wherever you get podcasts.